0: The situation and information around COVID-19 is changing every day. With that in mind, please note that this episode was recorded on March 30th. This is a special edition of Of Note, a podcast on innovation. We are having timely conversations with some of the innovators from Season 1 about the coronavirus pandemic and how it's affecting their personal, professional and business lives. Today we are talking with Dr. Juan Caicedo. Dr. Caicedo is a professor and department chair of the University of South Carolina College of Engineering and Computing. Juan specializes in structural dynamics to make our world safer and more resilient to disruptors like natural disasters and climate change, as well as changing human behaviors. When we talked last, Juan discussed his role as a professor.
1: Professors have basically two roles. They teach classes, which is what most people know, but the other half of their life is to actually create knowledge, and that's where the innovations come into place.
0: The different experiments in his department.
1: In this lab in particular, we have we are five people working in this lab. There are all sorts of different things happening right now. We have a faculty member that is working in creating stronger walls so they can be Uh, standing during uh, a tornado or a hurricane. We have another faculty member that is looking at creating a new type of concrete that can be used for concrete ties in rail. And some of the work that I do, I'm looking in floor vibrations.
0: And how they can shape the world for the better.
1: And it was amazing when we look at the data that you can tell when they wake up, Uh, you can tell when they take naps, they can tell when they go for lunch, right? Just by looking at the amount of vibration in the house. So you can actually use this to be able to determine whether or not the person is still healthy, right? If the person is changing patterns, and that might be an indication that the person is getting sick. And then you can have a doctor being more proactive and going and calling the patient rather than waiting for the patient to get so sick that then needs to go to the ER.
0: He also talked about how innovation can be fostered in schools and the different ways he and his students maintain that innovation throughout their careers. If you haven't seen the videos or listened to the podcast session, Check it out online at ScribbleSC.com. Juan, it's great to be talking with you again. I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, like what has it been like managing your team? I'm sure it's been very difficult, but yes. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how managing that team uh, has changed?
2: yeah it's it's been quite interesting we had basically about a week and a half to be able to switch between uh classes in person to classes online and the the, the thing that we had to do is basically come together and all faculty and staff to start brainstorming what are the best ways to do this mm-hmm. so we basically had meetings uh I mean, three times a week for about an hour and a half, two hours, just saying, "Hey, I saw this. This is how we're gonna. This is how we can do this." And then somebody else will come the next meeting and say, "Oh yeah, we can improve it this way." So it's, it's been interesting. I think we've been working more as a unit because of the challenge, even though we're not physically present in the same place. Um, everything that happened is so. In addition to a, a faculty members that teach and do research. Um, there is a group of staff that support all of this. And, you know, all of this stuff is been telecommuting. That means even though we are uh, physically distant, I think we're actually much closer than before.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you say is allowing them to work closer because of the distance? Like, what's allowing that to happen?
2: Yeah, so it, it's interesting. So I think, I think if, if these had to I don't know, five years ago or 10 years ago, uh, where teleconferencing software was not as good as it is right now, where we just don't have we didn't have the, the right tools to work. Like for example, now we can send um, documents electronically to be signed very easily, right? Mm-hmm. But that technology was not available five years to ten years ago. So it is even though it's a very challenging situation. What I'm finding out is all of the tools are actually out there. We, so we're, we're putting all of the tools together to be able to, each of us, to work at home. And so far, I mean, yes, the work is not efficient. I, I'm not getting as much done as I used to uh, when I was in the office, right? It's not the same as walking into the classroom to teach a class. But we're, I think, we're getting it done. And, and, and you know, in, in, a, in a good way. I mean, I don't, think, I don't think the educational experience of my students in my class is uh is sacrifice too much let's put it that way
0: okay how how has the research program been impacted by this are you all able to uh to go into uh into the lab and 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 conduct any research at all or is, is that off limits right now
2: yeah, that is off-limit right now. So, what most people have been able to do is kind of switch gears and do a lot of the data analysis in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, instead of actually doing experiments in the lab, we're doing, uh, you know, doing the plotting out the data, looking at the data, trying to understand what data of prior experiments mean. But I, I, think, I think that's going to come to an end, and we're going to have to do something about it. I don't know exactly what's going to be. Uh, in that situation. Uh, there is only a few um, research programs that are allowed to continue. Uh, those are, for example, those that are related with the virus itself. So there is a uh, professor in environmental engineering group that is doing some of that research. And, um, and some other ones, but very, very, very few research programs are actually doing experiments today at the university.
0: Most of the research has had to stop for now. But you're able to continue. I
2: say, yeah, I wouldn't say stop. I think we have shift gears. You' kind of shift gears. The, the research hasn't stopped yet. But if this continues for too long, there's going to be some of those research programs that might not be able to continue.
0: Until we do some Okay, but and then and then on the reverse side of that, in terms of the distance learning piece of that, you've you've been able to adapt that probably a, a little better in that while you're not able to come together in the classroom, you can still for the most part have everybody um, participate within a remote conference and then field any questions that way as well as lecture to the students. Uh, uh, you know, uh, online. Yeah,
2: exactly. You know, and one of the things that I was very curious and I think the rest of the faculty was very curious is uh, we're trying to hold our classes at the same time as before. So the question is, are we really gonna have enough people going to these virtual classes or it's only gonna be only half of the students? And interestingly enough, it is about the same amount of students that we had in classes in person. So people who are still interested in learning, they're doing the effort, they're doing their part as well. So try to go to these classes, try to ask questions and to learn the material.
0: You're seeing how a lot of remote, how how a lot of classes can be done remotely. Do you think that that's, you know, once this is over, going to become more and more of a pattern we see, regardless of whether there is a, a, you know, a a shock to the system or not? Do you think that academia will mostly return to brick and mortar uh, learning? When this is over,
2: yeah. So that you know, that's that's an interesting question. So I was in a teleconference not too long ago with somebody who has done a lot of these, uh, uh distance education in the past, and what this person was saying is, listen, we've been trying to do distance education forever, right? The first thing that we try was with paper and pen, and we'll send this by. Uh, by mail, mm. and the person will work on these things and return it back. So this idea of distance education really is not new. And what people have found over the years is, yes, there's people who can learn this way. There's no question about it. But there's also a lot of people that uh, need a little bit more of a help, right, mm-hmm. to, to learn the material a little bit faster. Uh, And I think that covered most of us. We we are more productive in learning when we are in the environment, we're immersed in that environment of learning. And so I do think there are gonna be some changes and I think those changes are gonna be to enhance that environment that we had before. To give you an example, now I personally feel a lot more comfortable uh, creating some videos showing how I solve problems for my class. Well, next semester when we're all back in campus, I'm probably going to still be doing this video. so now the students are going to have the opportunity to go to class to listen to me uh, tell the concepts and solve some problems. But they also going to have the videos from the past past semesters. So I also I actually think that it's going to enhance the experience that the students have at the universities.
0: Yeah, that's actually that's an, that's a great example. One uh, I, I I was thinking about it more from a content standpoint, and I've seen that even with my uh, my son, who's teacher who and he's you know he's in, he's in just he's in preschool, but she's gone to the extent of recording a lot of videos of her even just reading um, a story. And I did not even think about the fact that, okay, once she's done that for several weeks, she, she may have a back catalog of, you know, 20, 30 videos around these stories that she's re- read that she could potentially reuse or incorporate into her curriculum. So that's that's actually a, a great idea, a great thought. Are there any other uh, changes or adaptations that you see might might continue uh, in the future?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like the other one that I can see continuing in the future is office hours, right? Nothing is preventing me to actually holding office hours virtually. So all of this really has uh, has been a learning experience for a lot of us, and and I think. Um, All of these little tools that we're learning, uh, we're going to adapt them to enhance what we're already doing.
0: Do you also feel like the uh, the you know academic institutions will change will will require now for instructors, professors in their design of their classes to have virtual or remote plans built for situations like this? Is that going to become potentially a a new standard for for a baseline class design.
2: I don't. I don't. I don't think necessarily for new uh, uh, class design because I mean this is a very unique situation, right? I don't. I don't think we're going to be. I don't know. Hopefully not. I mean, you just never know. But hopefully we're not going to be experiencing the same thing uh, in the next year or two years or three years, right? Right. Uh, but I do think. I do think that what it is creating is. Uh, I think the instructors themselves are going to be willing to do some of these things because we were forced to try them out. Gotcha. So instead of being mandated by the institution, I think it's gonna be more of a grassroots uh, effort where faculty faculty are gonna say, oh yeah, I tried this, I tried to do an online exam and that worked out. Uh, Now I have these students who are, let's say, uh, you know, the student is traveling, the student has some type of difficulty and has to go home or something along those lines. So enabling those things for uh, for those special situations.
0: Are there any specific brands that you could share with the listeners so that, you know, if there are other instructors who are listening or uh, professors that they might, you know, learn from some of the things that you've tried out? For example, what conferencing software have you Found to work best or video recording or video storage. Can you speak to any of those? Yeah,
2: so there's a couple of things that I tell you that I tried out and then worked better than I expected. I have this uh, smart pen, it's called uh, Neo Smart Pen. And uh, I have seen people create videos where they write in a paper and you can see what they're writing on the screen. And you can also see their their faces as they explain what they're what, what they're doing. Okay. And uh, so I'm doing now uh, problems using this smart pen. And, uh, it's nice. It's very easy to use. I use it in my phone, and then I upload the video to Blackboard, and that's all I have to do. It works very well.
0: So, okay, I'm actually looking at this right now. Uh, it's one of the virtues, I guess, of doing these conversations <laughs> remotely. Is as, as you're talking about it, I'm able to look it up. And I can tell you, right, this Neo Smart Pen uh, is really cool. Uh, again, for our listeners out there, it's neosmartpen.com. If you can look at this.
2: So the, the, the particular part that I'm using is called paper Tube, um, And it allows you to basically, you, you can search it in, in YouTube or um, and, and you can see some people just basically giving class, and they, they're, all they're using is their pen and their uh, uh, and a special type of paper that comes with the pen.
0: Yeah, this is um, this is really useful. Thank you. Uh, but my last two questions are, are are more revolve around the impact from an urban planning and design standpoint. Do you believe there are any lasting impact to or changes to how we approach urban planning and design because of this? because of what we're experiencing now.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's incredible. I've been, I've been thinking about this. And uh, one of the things that I wonder is, how is this pandemic going to impact our social fabric, right? Mm-hmm. And th- th- that can have positive impacts, but can also have some negative impacts. Like, are people going to be comfortable, again, going to restaurants, right? I also realize, you know, that is, we, we design houses with a particular purpose. We don't design the houses for us to work on them necessarily. There are huge opportunities uh, to design spaces to have multi-use in our, in our own uh, houses. So, um, you know, that might be something that might come out of, of this pandemic is how do you design a house so you can actually work on it at the same time and be your home at the same time? And as, I think as people are learning to telecommute, I mean, I've been I've been amazed. Uh, I have a group of uh, five staff members, and now we're all working from our house. is uh, amazing what the technology that we have today allow us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as as we uh, learn that that is even possible, you start thinking about transportation systems, right? Uh, do we really? Uh, are going to use that amount of transportation in the future. And in some cases, you might see that some small towns in the Midwest are now flourishing uh, because they have all, those, all of these telecommuters from companies that allow people to do this. I think that's going to increase. So our the way that our cities and our towns are going to be distributed might actually change as a, uh, uh, in the long term as a result of, of, all, of all this.
0: Do you think that that, you know, waves of new urbanism and this sort of sense of returning to the city and, you know, there's more people there, it's more efficient from a public transportation and energy standpoint, you know, do you think all of that is challenged by some of what's happening now? uh, Or do you think that in the end, you know, we just have to figure out the health piece of that better, that that model is still you know, the most relevant model for how to organize people in a, in a world system, you know, or are you saying in some ways that that exurbs the suburbs that because of the potential for telecommuting, that there might not need to be in this a, a push, a hard push to collect into large cities? Do you think there's a, a seesaw in either of that? or Or is it just going to kind of be Pretty fluid as as we go from decade to decade because of this.
2: I think that is what is happening is that people are going to have more options. So there is not really a, a one answer of cities are going to flourish or you know or the suburbs are the ones who are going to be flourishing. I think you're going to see perhaps both of them doing okay because people will have the option to either go live downtown if that's what they really want to do. Or go and live in the suburbs if that fits better their lifestyle because it is telecommuting so I, I do i do I do see it that way you know I mean, um, I have a couple of friends that they really work from home, and if they want it, they could move to um, I don't know somewhere in Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the middle of of, of um, cornfield if they wanted to because their work do not um, do not depend on the geographical uh, location where they are. So I, I just think that it's going to provide people more flexibility uh, to move around and to live in different places because of the possibilities of
0: telecommuting. So is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners, any advice or any hope for the future or, or any anything else that you would like to say?
2: I think one of the, at least in the part of education, one of the really important parts is education is not really about teaching, it's about learning. And when we look at all of these online uh, uh, things that we're seeing is a lot about the content delivery, but it's not about the environment of learning. And so you know, I, want, uh, I would like for people to realize that that environment is still very important, that it's not about opening YouTube and watching videos about somebody who knows something. It's about being immersed in that environment, being able to ask questions being able to interact with other people that are learning as well. And all of that is what creates learning, it's not what creates teaching.
0: That's that's actually a good point. I I was sort of thinking through what you were saying there, and it's almost as if sometimes I have to be around to hear the questions and comments that other people have in response to the subject, because I may have not known to ask that question. Right, I, I may have not gotten to that point yet. They did. And they were able to ask it. And I'm still learning from your answer or someone else's answer and interactions with those questions. So that's, that's, a, that's such a compelling point um, to the understanding of how we learn, which is it's not passive and it's not a monologue and it's not a it's not a passive experience in that way. We still need those interactions. And so I hadn't thought of that. Dr. Caiciero, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I I hope you stay healthy and well, you and your family. And, um, you know, I appreciate you taking the time just to talk with us and our listeners, uh, as well as just for supporting uh, the Scribble program too. And I hope to see you soon in person. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) All right, stay safe as well. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for tuning into our special edition of Of Note, a podcast on innovation. These are challenging times for everyone and in ways expected and unexpected. You might be facing the virus head-on or supporting a loved one who is fighting for their lives. You might be a business owner worried about how to take care of your employees or an entrepreneur losing momentum on a vision you've devoted your life to building. You might be a leader wrestling with a lack of information and deciding between the lesser of two evils. You might be someone who has a great way of solving problems and making a difference. Or you might just be tired and lonely from the social isolation. Whatever your case may be, remember you are not alone and that we all carry each other. One of my favorite quotes of all time is this. You may see me struggle, but you will never see me quit. Now more than ever, the world needs you to show up today. You are powerful, you are valuable, and what you believe changes the world. It needs that special thing you've been dreaming about since you were little. It needs your spark to light up the darkness. So stay positive, my friends. Take care of your health. Stay home. Wash your hands. Love your family. And keep dreaming big.